Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. Here's a headline from today's Sun-Times. Uh, the actual events have updated this headline. Uh, and by the time you hear this podcast, actual events will update where we're at right now. Uh, this is what they call a developing story in journalism. This is also called everything that's wrong with Chicago politics, in my humble opinion. See if my distinguished guests uh, agree with me. Uh, Lightfoot suffers embarrassing defeat of speed cam tickets. Uh, Lightfoot suffers embarrassing defeat on speed cam tickets, a headline in the story. Uh, today's Sun-Times about a vote in the Finance Committee yesterday, 16 to 15. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot wanted one thing, and the city council voted uh, against her. I, for the life of me, do not understand why this is embarrassing. Embarrassing. I think that at the root of everything that's wrong in the city of Chicago is this notion that the mayor is supposed to be this all-powerful being that can get whatever he or she wants and that it's an embarrassment if she loses. The greatest moment in the history of Chicago politics, the greatest moment, and I lived through it, was Harold Washington. And Harold Washington couldn't get anything through the city council. That was not an embarrassment to Harold Washington. That was an embarrassment to the city of Chicago and all its racism. But this notion that our mayor has to be all-powerful, oh, my goodness, we have to have this all-powerful autocrat running our lives. Come on, Chicago, you act like your children sometimes. Act like your little babies. Oh, our mayor is is just the all-powerful being that controls our lives. Anyway, I just saw that headline. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow, she's not as good as Rom, because Rom never suffered such an embarrassment. Well, since when is Rom the bar? God damn, Chicago. You're weird, Chicago. You need help, okay? I'm telling you that. My distinguished guests will now, uh, I'm sure, disagree with me vehemently as they defend the citizens of Chicago and the mayors of Chicago. <laughs> They're laughing at that. Uh, I'm going to ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves, as we do on all bonus segments. And I'm going to ask, start with distinguished guests whose first initial is R. Introduce yourself. 
<laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me, Ben. Um, my name is Rosana Rodriguez Sanchez, and I am the elder person of the 33rd Ward. Uh, thank you very much, Rosana, for returning to the show. Frequent guest on our show, as is our next distinguished guest, whose middle, uh, excuse me, whose first name begins with the letter C. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Carlos Ramirez Rosa, and I am the alderman of the 35th Ward, and I'm happy to be back on the Mendrowski Show with my work wife, <laughs> Alderwoman Rodriguez. Oh, my God, Carlos. She sings your praise. when you're. I'm telling you, when, when you're on it, she goes, I don't know what I'd do without Carlos. Uh, it's like you guys are the two outcasts. I always tell Carlos that the city council is like a, a high school uh, cafeteria. You guys are the outcasts sitting in the corner, and nobody will talk to you. Oh, the mayor but but the truth is, we're at the cool table. Okay. We are truly at the cool table. Yeah, it's a cool table. All right. First of all, I uh, just want everybody to know if Carlos sounds a little muffled, it's because he's wearing a mask. Uh, he just got over a bout with COVID, as did I, Carlos. It's like COVID time in the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, you're you're feeling okay? You're you're okay? I'm I'm feeling a lot better. The the first couple days were real rough after my diagnosis, but. We're on day 10, and uh, I'm on my way to full recovery. So, uh, All right. Well, we're going to get started uh, with this uh, showdown in the city council uh, that culminated in a deferred public published today. And, and you, Carlos, you're excellent at explaining these things, so I'm going to start with you uh, to do an explanation. Uh, and eventually I'll work it around to my opening theme. And again, as you both know, you're free to disagree with me vehemently. Uh, I feel it's preposterous, this notion that somehow or other it's an embarrassment if the city council dares to vote against the mayor. Like it's viewed as the mayor is, is, has, is just like been insulted. I feel that that mentality is like we treat Chicagoans as though they're children. Uh, and it explains, in my humble opinion, so much that is wrong with Chicago politics. Uh, we'll get into the merits of that argument one way or the other, Carlos. But why don't you just explain what went down today after yesterday's finance committee meeting where the, uh, the ordinance was approved 16 to 15. I thought there would be a vote today, but there was a defer and publish. It was put off for another time. So, Carlos, do some explanation on the issue and what went down. Yeah, I, you know, the, the long story in a short version is that Mayor Manuel introduced speed cameras to the city of Chicago. Uh, in order to get ticketed, you had to be driving 10 miles per hour above the speed limit. Mayor Lightfoot took office and she reduced the 10 mile per hour threshold to six miles per hour. So there's been quite a, a lengthy debate about the role of speed cameras in the city of Chicago. Uh, progressive candidate Chuy Garcia in 2015, when he ran for mayor, he promised to get rid of the speed cameras. Uh, there's been a lot of push, particularly in the black community amongst, uh, you know, working poor black Chicagoans uh, to get rid of these uh, speed cameras, which they feel is a regressive way of getting revenue for the city of Chicago. And so Alderman Beal, who is uh, formerly a chairman under Rahm Emanuel and used to be allied with the mayor, uh, him and Lori had a falling out very early on. Uh, in her tenure, he has now become a mayoral critic. And so he, alongside with uh, primarily other black aldermen from the South Side, led a charge uh, to change uh, the threshold for ticketing from six miles per hour, which is what Mayor Lightfoot wants, to 10 miles per hour above the speed limit. And uh, it passed the Finance Committee by one vote. 
It was up for a vote today before the full city council and mayoral allies uh, deferred and published the matter, which means that two aldermen stood up and said, we're not going to vote on this today. We're going to use the power that we have to push this back one meeting. Uh, and after that happened, all hell broke loose. Anthony Beal started yelling at Mayor Lightfoot. She started yelling at him. Then uh, Anthony Beal and Alderman Lopez proceeded to defer and publish a bunch of items that the mayor wanted to be passed uh, at the meeting today. Uh, Every item that was being yes. passed, uh, that, that was being um, reported out of committee started getting deferred and published. Like TIF allocations, Good. everything, <laughs> everything. Wait, you said TIF allocations? Good. Let's defer the whole program. Uh, okay, so you, neither one of you uh, were on the finance committee, to, so you didn't get a vote on uh, in yesterday's meeting, which was 16 to 15. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I love that she called him out. It's like, <laughs> we are th this is the most childish city I've ever lived. It, actually, it's a welcome relief. Uh, Carlos Rosanna, when I look what Texas is doing, the Republican Party, it's fascism. And so I'm like, well, you know what? This baby stuff from high school is suddenly a welcome relief because at least it's not fascism. Um, but uh, it was 16 to 15, so you guys didn't get a vote. So I'm going to ask you right now, Rosanna, I'm going to put you in the hot seat first, and then Carlos, follow up. Uh, you, you missed your moment today. You couldn't vote on it today because it was deferred and published. Were you going to vote uh, to raise the limit? Uh, back to 10 miles an hour, or are you going to uh, vote with the mayor to keep it at six? Rosanna, you go. I, I was going to vote yes um, to, to raise it, but I think that there is a bigger conversation to be had. I think that this is one thing that we are looking at, and, and you know, I think that we get fixated on the punitive measures always, and there's so much to do in this city in terms of infrastructure. Um, to make streets safe. Um, but, you know, we default to these very small things um, that people can fight about. I think that there was also an alderman today that was talking about getting to a compromise and somewhere in the middle. So I don't know. I am not sure if when we go back to vote, if we're going to be voting for the same thing or if there's going to be some sort of compromise. Got it. Uh, Carlos, how are you? How are you vote? Yeah, you know, uh, I was probably going to follow Rosanna's lead on this uh, and vote to raise the threshold. It's funny, some people were misreporting this as if we are voting to uh, increase the speed limit. No, that's not the case. Um, we're voting to increase the threshold at which the camera is triggered. And there's some research to show uh, that the camera is not the most precise tool and you actually need it to be set a little bit higher uh, to really catch people uh, that are speeding. Um, I think that overall, we need to be smart about the infrastructure that the city is deploying to calm traffic. Uh, in my ward, there's a number of streets where we're reducing the speed limit to 20 miles per hour. Uh, we've installed speed humps. We've installed pedestrian islands. We've uh, installed bump outs. Uh, we're moving forward with installing protected bike lanes in some of the most dangerous areas of our ward uh, to help protect bicyclists and to help give pedestrians more space and more ownership of the street. Um, I, I think that the infrastructure is really what we need to be focusing on. I'm really bothered that there's not a single red light camera in Lincoln Park. That means all those fancy schmancy people in Lincoln Park driving their fancy schmancy cars, they're, they're not getting tickets. Uh, it's, it's primarily working class, working poor people on the south side that are getting these tickets. So, you know, I am conflicted. I, I do see the arguments both ways. Yeah. Um, I think that we're all committed 
to pedestrian traffic safety. And I think the tool to do that is infrastructure, not regressive uh, fees and fines that disproportionately impact working class and working poor people. And look, if you get a number of tickets in the city and you can't pay them, guess what happens next? Your car gets booted, your car gets towed. That can totally destroy your livelihood. That could totally cause a lot of havoc in your life. So I, I think that as a city, we've talked about moving away from punitive fees and fines. And I think it's really interesting that Mayor Lightfoot, when she was defending this policy, she didn't lean into the public safety, pedestrian safety aspect of it. She actually leaned into the revenue that the city was going to lose uh, if uh, this measure was changed. And so it's, it's pretty clear reducing the threshold from 10 miles per hour to six miles per hour was always about a money grab. And unfortunately, it's a money grab from the people that have the least ability to pay these fees and fines. It was absolutely a budgetary measure to bring in revenue. That's what it was. And we opposed it when, when it was proposed as a, as, a, as a revenue source. Well, I have to say, uh, Rosanna and Carlos, that uh, the fact uh, that there's no, not one in Lincoln Park sort of undercuts the notion that it's there uh, for safety measure because it suggests strongly that the city of Chicago doesn't care about public safety in Lincoln Park, which I have a hard time believing since Lincoln Park is one of the wealthiest communities, if not the wealthiest, uh, in the city of Chicago. Uh, this program is so filled with contradictions, as you uh, both point out. Uh, I, I have to give uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot credit in a way, uh, Rosanna, uh, and uh, Carlos, because she at least admitted that they want the money. I remember when Mayor Rahm brought, <laughs> brought this one out. Oh, no, it's got nothing to do with the money. It's the safety. It's the kids. Meanwhile, Channel 7 pointed out, Roseanne, I don't know if you remember this, uh, that Rahm's uh, motorcades were, like, speeding through cameras all the time as he was getting down. And then he didn't ticket him. He's like, what? So they, like, ripped the tickets. Like, what a sleazy city. But, um, so... I'm offended, Rosanna. I'm going to get your response to this. Uh, this is clearly uh, the, one of the most regressive forms of taxation of all time. Uh, if Any kind of fine or fee slaps everybody the same, no matter if you're J.B. Pritzker or a broke-ass reader-writer. You're going to pay the same fine. Uh, and it's just going to have a different impact on you. If the wealthier you are, the less obvious of an impact it will be. Uh, and... Uh, so it's, while I give Lori Leifert credit for at least acknowledging that the city needs the money, once again, it's like we go to these regressive forms of tax. You guys as good lefties have been pushing all kinds of progressive taxes. Lori Lightfoot says we can't afford a tax, but this is how we're going to fund uh, our city on the heels of the casino, which is going to fund our city by shaking down the clueless suckers who go play the games. Rosanna, this is a step back, in my humble opinion, on progressivity. Your thoughts? Yeah, I was. I, was, I always remember the moment when we were going into the the fair tax debate, and um, and we we knocked on doors for fair tax. We tried. We did everything that we could to ensure that we could get um, uh, the 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 tax structure that we have amended at state level and, and change change that part of the constitution so that we can actually tax the rich. Um, and I would have loved if 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 Mayor Lightfoot would have put some resources into winning that because she, in a very shy way, said, "Yeah, I support it," but. She didn't move a finger 
to make sure that that passed, right? And then we had the billionaires coming in and just dumping a bunch of money and decided that no, we were not we're not going to change the constitution to be able to allow for um for for fair taxation, right? And that's that's where we are stuck in right now. We how 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 do we do it? How do we do it without that possibility, right? Um yeah, I th that th this is where I am right now, and 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 when it comes to the casino, I think for me, um, labor inundated the the debate. Um, the the labor peace agreement, where you know all of these jobs are going to be um, union jobs, and they're going to be well paid. Um, there's going to be construction work. Labor was all over this. And there was no movement on the streets to prevent this. There was no organized anything to, to say we cannot do that. Um, so, that so this was definitely a, a, a debate that labor went in hard um, and, and, and lobbied us a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about that, Carlos. Go ahead. Well, I, I actually think one of the things that you mentioned earlier um, is the way in which Chicago approaches the role of the mayor and this notion that all policy has to come from the mayor, right? That uh, policy decision-making does not live in council committees. It does not live in the council as a whole. That instead it's up to the mayor and the fifth floor to write the major ordinances to make the major decisions and that all the aldermen should just fall in line and that if the aldermen have their own ideas their own initiative their own views on the way that the city should be run that somehow this is a personal slight to the mayor uh and i guess you know on the, on the question of of revenue and on the question of how we approach our budget we have had neoliberal mayors for the past three decades right harold washington was our last true progressive mayor it was, you know, the second Mayor Daley that really brought in a brand of neoliberal politics where you say we're going to privatize everything that we can. We're going to slash the city budget, right? We're going to implement austerity. Uh, we're going to give away public money to the rich and powerful. And in exchange, they're going to give us campaign contributions, right, that we need to get on TV to fool people and dupe people into voting for us over and over again. Uh, and uh, when we need revenue, we're not going <laughs> to actually ask the richest people uh, to pay their fair share. We are actually going to go uh, to the poorest people, to the working class people, to the middle class people. We're going to ask them to pay more in property taxes. We're going to pay ask them to pay more in fees and fines. And that has been the cadence of city government now for the past three decades. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, I'm so happy that finally this term, uh, we have five members of the Democratic Socialist Caucus. We have even more members of the Progressive Caucus. And we're finally beginning to have a group of aldermen that are really pushing uh, to fundamentally transform government. Um, but you're right, even amongst our colleagues and even in the media and even amongst regular Chicagoans, there's this notion that all power should still rest with the mayor. And what I love about serving with uh, Rosana, Alderwoman Rodriguez, is that she does not fall for any of this bullshit. She is the first one to sit there and be like, this is so ridiculous. Can you hear these people? Do they hear themselves? Can you believe that they're saying this right now? They have no shame. They have no shame. And I'm like, you're right. But you know, myself, having already sat there for seven years, I'm just, my strategy is I just disassociate. I'm like, all right, here comes the bullshit again. You know, and I just kind of like think about like, all right, well, this, 
person's just going on and on and on <laughs> about how great it is that there's nepotism. Because we had a lot of speeches today in city council about how great nepotism is. And so instead of me like just like getting worked up, I just sit there and I'm like, all right, what am I going to have for dinner? You know, what what other things do I have to work on? What's going on in the war? But Rosanna's just like, this is fucking bullshit. I got to go. Like, I can't. We Can you hear this? I got to say something. Uh, well, Rosanna, yeah, you got a uh, you got a ways to go before you get sufficiently jaded. Uh, you should also start smoking cigarettes. You know, just have cigarette dangling out of your mouth. This is ridiculous. Just bring it back. Uh, and um, but uh, so that gets to this point. Uh, you mentioned we, the the issue of uh, nepotism has to do with the fact that Michael Scott uh, stepped down as alderman of the twenty fourth ward with about a year left to go in his uh, his term. Uh, and the mayor appointed uh, Michael Scott's sister, Monique Scott, to be his replacement. And I presume the council confirmed that today. Uh, and so what uh, every what Carlos is saying is what I presume happened is that one alderman after another got up to extol the virtues of both Michael Scott Jr., his sister, and maybe some of the aldermen old enough to remember uh, Michael Scott's father, who I knew way back when. Uh, so anyway, um, all right. Uh, but let's get to, uh, Rosanna, i got to ask you this one. Uh, speaking of just the kind of uh, rhetoric we hear at city council meetings. I was at, at the city council meeting today. I was doing a show. Uh, I uh, read about it uh, in between shows. Uh, and uh, my old pals, uh, Alderman Scott Wagaspeck uh, and uh, Andre Vasquez, the Alderman of the 40th Ward, Scott Wagaspeck, uh, Mayoral Allies, Alderman of the 32nd Ward, said they were really upset and uh, dismayed and disgusted with the antics of Beal and Lopez. They said it was childish uh, and that they couldn't understand why they would uh, do it a tit for tat and defer and publish all these items. And I'm like reading this, and as much as I love Andre Vasquez and Scott Waggers back, I'm like, wait, why are you mad at that? Beal, it was Lori Lightfoot who did the ultimate defer and publish. She's the one who started it. Why are you picking on Beal? And I got, I'm like listening to this, Rosanna, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, if you really think about it, there was no point in deferring a publish. Just let the council vote against you and veto it. They don't have the votes to override your veto. You're going to win. But it goes back to that freaking headline in today's Sun-Times. Embarrassing loss. They would rather defer and publish and kick this thing on for another meeting, a month, than suffered embarrassing defeat. <laughs> nothing embarrassing about it. You know, it's called democracy. Ever heard of it, city of Chicago? D, small d-ocracy. You got a legislative branch and an executive branch. We don't live in Russia. It's not Putin. Help me out here, Rosanna. So you're listening to this great debate. You hear your good friend Andre get up there and go, this is so childish. You hear your good friend Scotty get up there and go, this is so childish. And it is kind of babyish, you know, tit for tat, that Raylo, ah, Raylo, I know what games you were playing. And uh, and uh, the Alderman Brooks were uh, just deferring, um, a Beal, excuse me, were deferring and deferring and deferring. But come on, what was your position? Who's the bigger baby? The one who initially defers and publish or the ones who uh, seeks revenge? Take it away, Rosanna. No, I think, I think you're you're totally right. Like we just have to let the process take its curse and, you know, and vote. <laughs> and I think that people were ready to vote. And, um, and yeah, many of us were going to vote and then have to explain to our communities why we took the vote that we took. 
And, and that's what we do. That is our job, right? Um, so one thing that I think is important to note is that whenever the mayor exercises the, the authority that she has and that she has been given by the council, right, um, by using measures like the fairing and publish, the members of the council have the absolute same right to do, like those are the tools that are available and people are going to use them. Today, um, the, the peace book was introduced. Uh, and it was introduced by Leslie Hurston and, and Alderman and Chairman Sawyer. Um, and this is a, a violence prevention strategy that has been making the rounds for like three years. What did the mayor do? The mayor didn't want to send that to the committee and she asked um, Alderman Curtis to send it to rules. That's what the mayor did today. And sent an ordinance that we have been trying to introduce and get people to consider for over three years was sent to rules. And do you think that's going to be coming out of rules anytime soon? I don't think so. But so the mayor gets to use all of these rules, but then if other people decide to use them, then they're childish and then they're having a tantrum. Yes, today, like today's council was a tantrum. That's that's what it was. Um, but you cannot like call people out when you do it first. Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't think that you can do that. Carlos, your thoughts? Yeah, and to, to build on that, we as a council have adopted rules of order and procedure. Um, they're similar to Robert's rules and order, but they, it's it's our own uh, set of rules. Uh, here you can. I'm showing you the document right now on, on screen, Ben, for those of you that are listening. But but essentially, um, those rules give members of the council certain procedural tools that they can use. And so defer and publish exists because there are instances when two members feel that something is so onerous or feel that something requires more debate, more time to be considered. And so they just want to pump the brakes, right? And they want to push it to the next meeting. In most instances, it'll push it back a month. But if something is time sensitive and the majority really feels like we need to act on this now, they can call a meeting two days later and bring the item back and vote on it within 48 hours of it being deferred and published, as was the case with the Cop Academy when I deferred and published it years ago uh, with the support of young black activists on the West Side. Um, the gang ordinance. With the gang ordinance, yes. Yeah. So, so I think that um, this notion that to use these tools is childish, to me is in and of itself childish because we as a council have decided that we are going to grant each other these powers. And... They're tools that anyone can use. The mayor and her allies can use it, but also the opposition can use it. And that's what you get to do. And so for me, I don't bat an eye when I see people deferring and publishing things. I don't bat an eye when I see people using the tools at their disposal. That's what those tools are there for. And to your point, you use those tools in a robust democracy. I may be angry that they're deferring and publishing something that I support, but I'm going to object to their opposition to the substance of the policies that I'm putting forward. I'm not going to object to them using tools that we all have at our disposal. I'm going to object to their disagreement, right? I'm going to object to the content or the substance of what's actually being debated. So I, I think that, you know, this emphasis on, you know, procedure, this emphasis on, well, you're not doing it correctly, or, you know, you shouldn't use that tool that's at your disposal. I think that's a distraction from the actual substantive debates that the city council should be having. We shouldn't be debating whether or not it's petty for a member of the opposition of the city council to use a tool that we all have the ability to use. We should actually be talking about 
what is the direction that the city should be taking on major important policy questions. Um, but but again, I, I think that you know the, the system that's been designed is one that puts a lot of power in the hands of the mayor and in turn makes it easier for big and powerful corporate interests to run this city. Because instead of having to go to 50 aldermen who have to deal with 50 constituencies across the city, see, the alderman is the person that's closest to the residents in their ward. If you look at turnover among Chicago City Council members, we unelect more aldermen every four years than the number of members of Congress that lose their positions every two years. We have a lot of turnover in the city of Chicago. And that's because when people get fed up with the way that their alderman's making decisions that are impacting their community and their lives, they vote them out of office pretty consistently. So I, I think that, you know, this notion that the mayor should run the city is, is authoritarian, it's undemocratic, and it lends itself to a neoliberal regime where the rich and powerful get to buy influence and power and make the decisions that impact the lives of everyday Chicagoans. Absolutely. And one point that's really important I make, just so people know this, whether you like Anthony Beale or not, he has been pushing this ordinance to uh, raise the threshold from 6 to 10 miles an hour for months. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has used every tool she has available to bottle it up. He finally wrote it out, had his moment to vote. So this is put up or shut up. You think it's a good policy for safety to keep it at 6, or you don't think it has a consequence, an impact on public safety? You either think that this is uh, a necessary 50 some million dollars a year in revenue that the city needs, or you think there's more progressive ways to raise money for the city. But the rubber hits the road. Have the freaking vote. The man's been waiting a year. I'm no fan of Anthony Beale. He's been an ally of Ed Burke and Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Daley, et cetera. But the man deserves a vote, Carlos, in my humble opinion. And then to flip it and make it seem like he's the baby when you're the one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scotty Wagusback and Andre Vasquez. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Was that a, we can move on. Is there anything you want to add before we move on? No, I think, I think, I think it's being said. <laughs> All right. She's like, I don't need to get into that fight. All right. Um, let's shift to uh, criminal justice. And uh, Carlos has been coming on radio shows I've had and podcasts I've had talking about the need to spend uh, some of the money that we spend on police uh, on uh, social needs for a long time. Uh, and Rosanna has been a big champion of that. The backlash has happened. Uh, I hate to say I predicted it because I knew it was coming. They're coming after Rosanna. Uh, she's the incumbent alderman of the 33rd Ward. I, I just think, I don't even know how to articulate the words. To punish someone because they dare to offer a different view of the standard view of policing and criminal justice to me is disgraceful in the city of Chicago considering all the police brutality cases, all the payouts that we've had down through the years for wrongful uh, punishment, police torture, the Burge cases, and now it's like, oh, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez is responsible for crime. We're going to get rid of her. I just, I, I wish I lived in the 33rd Ward because I, so I could vote for you. Just to just take a stand for your courage on this particular issue. I don't agree with absolutely everything you say. I say this every time you're on the show, Rosanna, but I give you so much credit for having the, I don't want to say the word, having the courage to take these stands. So what's the latest? I hear now Iris Martinez is coming after you. Oh, boy, Mel was coming after you. I'm pretty sure Blago's somewhere in the mix. What's going on? I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything about Blago. 
Um, and I, I, I think right now what we are seeing is it's actually really interesting, at least in the Northwest side, because it's not just me. There is a we have been able to create in the Northwest side a really strong um, slate, right, of of progressives. So we have Delia Ramirez, for example, who is running for Congress right now, and she is running against Gilby Degas for the new um, third congressional district, Illinois third congressional district, which is going to be our area. And that area, all of us are the representatives are mostly progressives, right? Um, now she's Odelia is also running for Central Committee woman who of of the Democratic Party, which is a seat that right now is held by Iris Martinez. So what we are seeing right now is really interesting because the 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 polarization right is either the progressives who they call the defund um, candidates. And then there is the people who we thought were moderates that now are making alliances with the far right. So Iris Martinez has come into some sort of alliance um, with the FOP. Um, uh, the president of the FOP went to her birthday um, fundraiser not long ago, a couple of months ago, um, and has donated to her about $17,000 in the last uh, three months, maybe. And um, the, the, the FOP is also the main donor to a new PAC that was created called United Working Taxpayers, um, which uses the same fund of United Working Families. So it's like <laughs> they're putting money into a PAC. And all of this is with the idea of running candidates against the progressives, right? Um, so right now it's Delia, but I know that they are going to come for me because I know enough people that have heard Iris said this over and over. Um, we have Anthony Quesada, for example, running for commissioner of the 8th district. Um, he is one of us. He is part of UN35. He's worked um, uh, on the staff of, of, the, of, the 30, of, the, of the 35th Ward office. Um, and, and Iris is running a candidate there as well. Um, so it, it is interesting right now that the division has become very clear. You are either with very progressive policies that are actually go, like moving away from the tough on crime discourse and going into winning structures of care and support for our communities to I'm going to make an alliance with the FOP and this Trump supporter who has, you know, used hate speech against Muslims, against trans people, um, uh, who said who justified the attacks on the Capitol. Um, so, I mean, you cannot you know, speak against hate and be funded by hate at the same time. Um, so we decided to call her out uh, this week and, and the IPO, the 33rd World Working Families IPO put a statement out, sort of breaking all of this down. We are not, this is not a personal beef. This is, you need to stand up when people do the wrong thing. And taking money from right-wingers like that is wrong. So uh, how deep do you think their roots of support are uh, in your ward, uh, for, FOP is Fraternal Order Police. The head of the Fraternal Order Police, John, uh, John Catanzara, is, I p presume, the man you were alluding to. God loves Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have truly, I just had a tangent, just thinking about Johnny Catanzara. He loves Donald <laughs> Johnny, you really, Do Johnny Catanzara loves Donald Trump almost as much as I love the, no, more than I love the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and uh, so, 
if you took my he's love a, for he's a Trump scent, he, he loves for Trump. Yes, he, he just loves Do Donnie Trump. He, he, you know, and I have defended his right. This is a different topic to uh, to uh, support Donald Trump and wave, wave his "I love you, Donnie Trump" signs. Uh, and if he wants to get a tattoo that with a, a Don Trump, Donald Trump heart, you know, I I'm for that too. Uh, but I just think it's a little excessive. Maybe he needs to see some help. All right. Uh, so how deep is the support? of, in your humble opinion, uh, Rosanna, and then Carlos, you answer this, go. The FOB is definitely not popular uh, among our area. I mean, if you look at the electeds of the area, most of us are really progressive people. The people who have been getting elected in this area are progressive people. Bernie Sanders won our area as well when he ran for president. So we, we, I don't think that that message resonates. Um, but the thing is that Iris is getting money from the Catanzara, uh, from, from the FOP and President Catanzara, but she's running as a progressive. That's what it says on, on her. On her signs, it says that she's run, she's a progressive. So you don't get to call yourself a progressive making deals with with the devil, right? Um, and 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 I think that that needs to be made clear. I was telling Carlos that we went to lunch before um, before we came to talk to you, and I was I was so thinking about this, thinking about the anger that I felt when Donald Trump announced raids for sanctuary cities, and how. When he said that he was coming for our communities, we put a message out and invited people to come to our ward offices, or to our to our political offices, and do brigades out in the community with bikes or on foot. And hundreds of people showed up, and they were going to they were going to go into the community to watch out for strange vehicles that could be ICE or could be any sort of immigration authority or or law enforcement. And, and people did that. People did that for their neighbors because they because they understood that that was the right thing to do, because we knew we needed to protect our undocumented neighbors from Trump. And the anxiety that we all felt in that moment and to think that now we like we are in a position where this person who's supposed to be a Democrat and a progressive is taking money from the very people that supported that. It that is just unconscionable to me. Uh, Carlos, you got to weigh in on this. Iris Martinez many years ago. Uh, ran, you know, ran it, for it alderman in the me. 35th ward. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. it, it pains me. It, it hurts me. I was such a big Iris Martinez stan. I loved her. When I was an undergrad at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, I actually gave Iris Martinez an award. I sat on a committee. Uh, we were thinking of who is a Latina that we should honor as a progressive champion for change. Uh, and I nominated Iris Martinez. I pushed for Iris Martinez. When we uh, finally landed on her as our honoree that year, it fell to me to invite her. I brought her out to the campus. Uh, we threw her a banquet. We gave her an award. Um, she had a track record that aligned herself with progressivism on the Northwest side. Now, if we go way back and we look at the history, you know that she was a lobbyist for then Mayor Daley. Um, she was tapped to be an in-house lobbyist for the city of Chicago uh, when the 20th Senate District became a Latino Senate District and they needed someone to run as the consensus candidate. She was tapped by the machine at the time to be the senator for the 20th District for the Northwest Side. Um, but then the good old boys decided that they wanted to dump her. 
And when Mel decided that he wanted to move uh, his daughter into the state rep seat, he told then state rep Richard Bradley, guess what? You're running against Iris Martinez now. Um, and so Iris Martinez, for some time, was more independent, was more progressive. Um, she won her race for clerk of the court, and she won her race for 33rd Ward Democratic Committee woman, and something changed. Suddenly, it became like, I must be the boss of the Northwest side. She declared war on 33rd Working Families. She declared war on Rosanna, started talking to people that she was going to get Rosanna out of office. And it's like, what is this about? Like, you know, here we have a Puerto Rican woman that was elected with the support of the community that took down the Mel dynasty. And now you want to come along and take her out just because you feel like you can? That is just blatant political opportunism. It's not tied to any of our core progressive values. And now, in pursuit of this blatant political opportunism, she has allied herself with the FOP so that she can get money, so that she can get support. And I'm sorry, the FOP that endorsed Donald Trump, John Cadenzera, who has said that Muslims should be shot in the head, who has made fun of Spanish speakers and immigrants, who has used his position to advance a right-wing agenda, you're going to ally yourself with the very people that are seeking to do harm to our communities? I'm so disappointed with Iris Martinez. And I think it hurts because I used to consider her a friend. But I think we on the Northwest side are moving away from this old school corrupt politics. It's sad to me that she's decided to align herself with this old school corrupt politics that puts power before principle. But I know that the Northwest side is progressive. And I think that's why the FOP is trying to hide their money. That's why instead of spending $50,000 in support of Iris and her candidates as the FOP, instead, they give $50,000 to this shell pack called United Working Taxpayers, which, by the way, is registered at one of the addresses connected to one of Iris's top donors. And instead, they use this pack, United Working Taxpayers, to help advance their MAGA agenda. And you know what, if they, to your point, Ben, if they want to advance their MAGA agenda, that's fine. Let's go have that debate. I know we're going to win that debate. But if you're a Democrat, like Iris Martinez claims to be a Democrat, you don't ally yourself with MAGA Republicans that are seeking to put forward policies that do harm to our communities. You don't do that. This is Pride Month, okay? Like right now in Pride Month, MAGA Republicans are passing laws to force the LGBTQ community back into the closet, to criminalize the act of being trans. And the people that want to do those same things in our community, John Cadenzera, Aaron Jones, who I don't know if you've heard about. Have you talked about Aaron Jones on your show at all? Uh, the woman who's running against uh, uh, Martwick. Robert yeah, Martwick. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Not much, but we little conversation with Let's Martwick. Go. So she, yeah. she, Aaron Jones, was a Republican precinct captain under Donald Trump. A uh, newspaper article came out on the Northwest side saying Aaron Jones, a union leader with FOP, who is now a Republican leader, um, she has compared abortion providers to rapists. She has attacked uh, individuals who provide trans affirming care. Um, she she's a little mini John Cadenzera. You know, they're cut from the same exact cloth as every other MAGA Republican. So now she's running in the Democratic primary. With the FOP support, John Cadenzera has said that electing her is his top priority. And you know who's endorsed her? Iris Martinez. Iris Martinez, our third, our fourth uh, congressional district, state central committee woman for the Democratic Party. Iris Martinez, our 33rd Ward Democratic Party, has used her positions to endorse a MAGA Republican 
that's seeking to put forward an extreme far-right agenda on the Northwest side. And I think it's because Iris is walking down the aisle with the FOP with the hopes that she'll then be able to turn around and in this unholy alliance with the FOP, use it to get the 33rd Ward. All the women seem use it to take out other progressives on the Northwest side. And so it's, it's just wrong what she's doing. As you can tell, I've gotten really worked up. But the reason I've gotten so worked up is because there are real consequences to elections, right? Who holds that power and how they use that power can actually be a matter of life and death, particularly for the most vulnerable in our community. And so we on the Northwest side are so lucky that we've built up a powerful progressive movement of people who are compassionate and who care and who are going to make sure that the most vulnerable have an ally in government. People like Rosanna, who, when Trump decided to wage war on our communities with uh, threats of deportation and raids, helped organize a powerful network of people to come together to defend our immigrant neighbors and inform them of their rights. People like Christina Pacioni-Zayas, she has a PhD in education, who has been a policy wonk and a champion. People like Delia Ramirez, a state rep who's now running for Congress, who has a long track record of nonprofit uh, work serving the most vulnerable, serving the homeless, who passed major legislation to help people live better lives in our communities. People like Anthony Joe Casada, who's running for 8th District County Commissioner, who has been an organizer on housing justice, on immigrant rights. We have a powerful progressive movement. People like Lillian Jimenez, who's running for state rep in Humboldt Park, who has been the director of the state's immigrant welcoming centers, who was a policy director for True Garcia. We have such an amazing movement of people. Will Gazzardi, the OG who started back in 2014. So we have this amazing movement of people that have come together with the grassroots to say we are going to do everything that we can to stand up to the far right and to push forward our progressive values. And Iris, who in the past has said she's progressive, instead of being part of that team, instead she's allying herself with MAGA Republicans to try and undo what we've built on the Northwest side. So I think if any of your listeners care about progressive politics, about moving forward a progressive agenda, I think as they look towards June 28th, reject any MAGA Republican candidate, reject any candidate that Iris Martinez is putting before you because they are funded by the FOP uh, and, and they're seeking to undo the work of our progressive movement, uh, which has helped a lot of the most vulnerable people in our communities. All right. Uh, it's as good as time to uh, close it down. Uh, I was going to ask about the Republican uh, platform in Texas. There's plenty of time to talk about that. The reason I think it's so important, uh, Carlos or Zana, is that they just put it out there. I mean, for better, they just put out where they're coming from. Uh, and so the issue is, it's up to, now the ball's in the court of every Republican in the, uh, in, uh, throughout the country, uh, Carlos or Zana, you, every and anybody And every MAGA supporter, you know, are you with them? You know, I mean, is this is this your is this your agenda? You know, we, I mean, we were we were just talking about about the things that we have had to do at moments when it's been incredibly scary to see what Republicans are capable of, and particularly the GOP um, influenced by Trump. It's it's scary what we're seeing right now, and and it's one of the reasons why we are getting so worked up here talking about how important it is to protect 
progressive politics and values right now. I mean, we are in Illinois and right now we, I mean, we are one of the most progressive states, if not the most progressive states um, in, in the nation in terms of protections um, for reproductive rights, in terms of, of protections for LGBTQ people, in terms of protections for undocumented people. And this has happened because we have fought like hell for it, because there is so much grassroots movement going on that won't stop. We will fight and fight and fight and then fight some more. So you could say that here in Illinois, we're a little bit insulated. But the reality is that that it doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> we cannot think that we're just going to be OK and the rest of the country. No, it does not work like that. Um, so we are definitely preparing ourselves to fight um, against all of these threats, uh, against our most basic, basic rights. And we're going to continue doing that. But it, but it is one of the reasons why we are so outraged about this, um, about this move. Um, to try to undermine uh, progressive politics in the city of Chicago. No, we're not that insulated. I got news for you guys. This is topic for another time, and we'll take the deep dive on this one. We are not that insulated in Illinois. We're one step away from being Texas or Indiana, and uh, I have not seen one Republican. Uh, I apologize if there was. Uh, just uh, take a stand against. Uh, the uh, platform in Texas, uh, across the board, uh, uh, their their hostility toward the gays is just like going back to Anita Bryant in the seventies for crime way before you guys were even born. I mean, I thought we got beyond that, uh, and then uh, they're just hostility, almost on the edge of violence against uh, women who get abortions. Uh, no, this is some serious demented stuff. And uh, frankly, I think uh, it's a platform that would pass here in Illinois among MAGA members. So uh, I, th I think... Well, I think certainly, you know, in the Darren Bailey set of the Republican Party, certainly in the John Cadenzera set, the Aaron Jones set. Um, but I'll tell you what, Rasan and I have knocked doors all across the northwest side of Chicago. We've knocked doors in Logan Square, Irving Park, Portage Park. Uh, we have the polling. I can tell you that on the northwest side of the city of Chicago, we are deep blue progressive. We are dyed in the wool progressive. I mean, a plurality of voters on the Northwest side support the defund the police movement. I know that because I have the polling that shows that that's the case. So look, I, I think that on the Northwest side, we've been able to build a powerful movement of people that are coming together at the grassroots level to push forward progressive policy. And it's really necessary to keep that movement going. Because there are precincts in the city of Chicago where Bernie Sanders got more votes than the total number of people that voted for mayor or for alderman in 2019. So if all those Bernie Sanders voters come out again, let me tell you, the progressive movement is unbeatable in the city of Chicago. And if all those progressive voters come out in the city of Chicago, the progressive movement is unbeatable in the state of Illinois. So we have a real critical election coming up on June 28th. And I really hope that the progressive voters that are disgusted by what's happening in Texas that are disgusted by what the local right wing is trying to do right here, right now with Aaron Jones and this disgusting, bigoted movement that they're pushing forward, that they come out and vote for our amazing progressive candidates, whether that be Delia Ramirez for Congress, Anthony Joel Casada for Cook County Commissioner, Lillian Jimenez uh, for state rep. Uh, down the ballot, we're going to keep defending our progressive gains on the Northwest side, and we're going to continue fighting for the most vulnerable in our community. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Carlos. Rosanna, thank you very much. It's great having the two of you together. Carlos, get some rest, drink some tea, put some honey in that tea. Uh, I can't rest, not with these MAGA Republicans. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, that's true. I'm trying to get a foot 
household in a community <laughs> that's so diverse with so many immigrant families. Yeah. No, I can't rest. No resting. No resting. Oh, give, give the guy a break. Give him some tea with honey in it for crying out loud. Give him. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Thank That's you. Carlos Rosanna. I'm Ben Drofsky. Take care, everybody.